Welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Praise God. Well, we have um, a lovely family in the house this morning, Philip and Tracy Johnson and their beautiful daughters. So you're so welcome to be with us. And Philip's going to come and he's going to bring the Word. We're delighted to have him in the house I don't know if Tracy wants to come with you and give a welcome, but let's welcome them. Let's give a BCC welcome to this couple that we love so much. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Delighted. Come. You did come. <laughs> Pulling behind you. Um, it's lovely being back with you. I know it's been like a number of months, but we're always glad to come and worship and fellowship together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tracy. So, praise the Lord. It's good to be with you again. And we just thank God for His goodness and His grace in all our lives. And uh, just uh, before I would, uh, before I would deliver the message, just like ask ask Pastor Carney to come up and just pray for me just before I deliver the message, if that's okay. Uh, we just that's okay. Yeah. Lord, I thank you for Philip this morning, Father. I thank you, Lord. He hears your Holy Spirit. He says what you give him to say. I thank you, Lord, that he's directed in everything. Lord, we thank you for freedom in the house, Lord, this morning. Father, I thank you for the anointed word. Lord, I thank you for impartation to each of our hearts and our spirits, Lord what you want us to receive, what you want us to take, what you want us to apply to our life, what you want us to run with this morning. We open our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Karn. Praise the Lord. I'd like us to look at uh, just some scriptures this morning, and and, uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and, and this is the, the story or um, the prayers of Jesus um, before he goes to the cross. And he's talking to his father, you know, John, someone said it, it's really good to just read through John 14, 15, 16, and 17 over and over and over. But there's wonderful uh, prayers and here of Jesus, and you can see verse 1, that he lifted up his eyes and he prayed to his Father in heaven. And he talked about, uh, he says, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. And then when we come down to verse 11, He says, so he's praying, he's saying, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. So he's talking about the disciples. And he says, I have come 
to thee, Holy Father. So he's saying that he's already, he's prophesying about where he's going. But he says, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. And here it is. He says that they may be one as we are. That this is Jesus' prayer, that we may be one as we are. Verse, verse 20, and he goes on to say, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. So he's not only just praying for the disciples, but he's praying for you and me. This is for you and me, those who have believed on him through their, word, through their word. There it is, verse 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. Verse 23 again, and he says, in, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. There's three times Jesus has prayed that they may be one as you, Father, and I are one, as we are one. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit ever have an argument? <laughs> no. They're in perfect unity and harmony and in perfect oneness with one another, preferring one another, honoring one another. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. And there was love and harmony and unity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all the time. They said, let us make man. Let us. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. What the Father does, I do. In perfect harmony and unity all the time. And Jesus prayed. What did he say? He says that they may be one as we are. This is Jesus' prayer. This is going to come to pass in the body of Christ. That each one of us not only uh, individually, but as the church and the body of Christ will be one, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. So we have, have to ask the Holy Spirit, help me make the adjustments I need to make in my heart and life. Help me lay down my life, not my will, Jesus said, but thine be done. Remember, Jesus went to the cross, and it says that the joy that was set before him, what was the joy? He was going to the cross to die, to bleed and die and be crucified. What was the joy? The joy that was to bring many sons and daughters to glory. You and me, that we would know the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the joy that was set before him. You see, 
as the body of Christ. Let's, let, let's look a little bit in, in James. James chapter 3. And in James chapter 3, James gives us some very good instructions here. And in James chapter 3 and verse 9, he talks about the tongue and he said, well, in verse 2 it says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and is able to bridle the whole body. Verse 9, it says, Wherein we bless God our Father, and wherein we curse men which are made in the simplitude or in the likeness of God. You know, we, we praise God and we give Him glory, but then we talk about our brother and sister. What does it say here? It says in verse number 10, Out of the mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing my brother, and these things ought not to be so. Doth a fountain send forth the same sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Neither do either a wine figs. So does, so no fountain both yields salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man endureth with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter and envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. For this wisdom descendeth not, descendeth not from above, but as earthly sensuous and devilish. For where there is envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The fruit of, the, the, of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. So James here is saying, wherein we bless God, with our mouth, but at the same time, then we curse men or we talk against men. He says these things ought not to be so, because every person is created in the image and likeness of God. We are created in his image. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25 and verse 40. And remember, he was saying there, Matthew 25 and verse 40. And remember, he said there in verse 35, he said, uh, well, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. Uh, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer and say, Lord, so we thee hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and give we drink? They're asking the question. When were you a stranger and we took you in? Or naked and we clothed you? Or sick or in prison and we came to you? Verse 40, look what Jesus says. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, 
I say unto you, for as much as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Why? Because people are made in the likeness and image of God. So when we do it unto others, it's like doing it unto him. Jesus says, you have done it unto me. If I give a cup of cold water to a person on the street, Jesus says, that's like you've done it unto me. Why? Because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Those people, the lost, those in prison, if you went and visited them, those who were sick, we went and visited those who are naked, you gave them clothes. Jesus says, it's like you've done it unto me. Why? Because they're made in the image and likeness of God or the simplitude of God. Now let's take it a step further. And that's, he's talking there about even people who don't know him. But let's take it a step further. How about those who do know him? How about the believers? How about the brothers and sisters in Christ? In Acts chapter 9, you remember the story. And Saul, verse number 1, Acts chapter 9, verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. So who was Saul against? The disciples of the Lord. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And in the King James it says, uh, it says And Saul was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. So Saul was against the disciples, and he went to the high priest, and he desired letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, and he found any of that were in the way, and men and women, that they might be bound unto Jerusalem. And as he sojourned, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't say, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the disciples? He didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting those believers? Jesus took it very personally. He said, why are you persecuting me? And verse 5, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecuted. Oh, oh no, but he was persecuting the disciples. But Jesus took it personally. I am Jesus whom you persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You see, when we invite Jesus into our heart as our personal Lord and Savior, he comes into our heart by his Holy Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. 
and he lives in us. So if I honor my brother and sister in Christ, I am honoring the Lord Jesus. But if I dishonor my brother or sister in Christ, Christ lives in them. I am dishonoring the Holy Spirit who dwells within them. That's why Jesus said, you're persecuting me, Saul. Not just the disciples. You're persecuting me. You see, Christ lives in each and every one of us who have come to know him as our personal Lord and Savior. Christ lives in us. But if I dishonor my sister, I'm dishonoring Christ who is in her. If I dishonor my brother, his, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If I dishonor or talk or have unforgiveness or bitter and anger against my brother or sister, Jesus says, as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Have we ever thought about that before? We need to make the adjustments. Jesus said that they would be one, preferring, what does the Bible talk about? A very good study to do is one another, forgiving one another, preferring one another, encouraging one another. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Carry one another's burdens. One another. We're a body. We're a body. The body of Christ. Remember in First. Corinthians 11 and verse 29 and 30, and he talks about the Lord's table. He talks about communion. He talks about, is that why many, he said that many are weak and sickly among you, not discerning the Lord's body. Individually, we are the Lord's body. Christ is in you. You're, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. Do I discern the Lord's body? If I am not discerning this body of believers as the Lord's body, if I am talking and slandering and uh, coming against them, I bless God with my mouth, but I curse men. These things ought not to be so. Jesus said, many are Paul said, many are sick and weakly among you, uh, weak among you, and many sleep not discerning the Lord's body. Our individual bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ. Each in a, a church is a family of believers. We are the body of Christ. You see, let me ask you a question. 
Who is the accuser of the brethren? It is the enemy, is the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation 12 and 10, it says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But we have been made. What have we been made? We have been made in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. or second, Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are, have, are of God who hath reconciled us to himself and hath given unto us the what? What's the ministry we have, each and every believer? The ministry of reconciliation. We can't be an accuser of the brethren, have a ministry of reconciliation at the same time. Out of our mouth can't flow just blessing to God and then cursing to men. We're not discerning the Lord's body. We're not realizing if I dishonor my brother, I'm dishonoring Christ who is in him the hope of glory. Do you see that? Are you with me? We have the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses. Even Christ didn't condemn the world unto them and hath committed unto us the word of what? What's our word should be? Reconciliation. Remember Jesus when he, he just there's one more scripture on that. It'll just bring in, in Proverbs chapter 6. You know, we need to bless with our mouths. We need to honor with our mouths. We need to uplift with our mouths. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. And he talks about the six things that the Lord hates. Even seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift to run into mischief, a false witness. And he that soweth discord among his brethren. Jesus prayed that we would be one, that we would be one, that there would be no discord, that we would be one. Remember Jesus, he, he looked over Jerusalem in, in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23 and verse 37. What, what did he say? Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you killed the prophets and stoned them that were sent unto you. How often I would have gathered you. With, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's a gathering. There's a gathering. He wants to bring us together. We have been invited. We have accepted this invitation of Jesus Christ to step into this wonderful fellowship with a Father with a Son and with the Holy Spirit who are in complete unity and harmony with one another. We have been invited into that fellowship. 
And that's what he desires, that we would be not only in fellowship with him, but with one another in love and harmony and in unity. He said, how often I wanted to gather you. He, he, he desires that you would be gathered not only in fellowship with him, but in fellowship with one another, in unity, in harmony. He wept over Jerusalem. He wanted them to be gathered like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But they made the choice. They would not. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. And it talks there about forgiveness. He said we should forgive lest Satan will get an advantage of us. Many people use that verse, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. But the verse before it says we're to forgive. Paul said if you forgive the man, I, I forgive him in Christ for your sakes. In the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. You see, we have been given this gift of forgiveness. You know, in our faith worketh by love. Faith does not work without love. Your car does not work without the battery. Your mobile phone doesn't work without the battery. Your faith does not work without love. Jesus even said, you can speak to the mountain and command it to be removed and believe in your heart. Those things which you say will come to pass. You will have whatsoever you, you say. And what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. The very next verse, he says, if you have aught against any, forgive. Right there, while you're praying, believing that you receive, if you've aught against anybody, just forgive. 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 If you have aught against any, your faith works by love. Remember, the, remember Jesus, Peter asked the question, well, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Remember, Peter asked that question. In Matthew chapter 18, he tells us there, Matthew 18, Jesus asks, notice in, in verse 18, it talks about binding and loosing, and, and there's prayer again, and he says, Whatever you agree as touching anything, if two of you agree on earth as touching anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. And then Paul or Peter asked the question, Lord, how many times should my brother sin against me and I should forgive? And Jesus said, I say not unto you seven times. Peter answered seven times. Jesus said, I'm not saying seven times, but he said unto 70 times 7. And that, in that uh, day and age, was a, it was a lifestyle of forgiveness. That's what he was saying. It's a lifestyle. And he talked about the king who took an account of his servants and he began to reckon that one owed 10,000 talents for as much he could not pay and he commanded him to be brought and his wife to be uh, sold and his children 
until they would make the utmost payment. And the servant fell down and worshiped the Lord and says, have patience with me. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and he loosed him and forgave him his debt. Forgiveness is a releasing, a releasing, and you're, you're saying they owe me nothing anymore. That person does not owe me even an apology. And he said, but the same servant, so think of this. This, this man had a debt of 10,000 talents. He was brought before the king. And the king said, you owe me this. If you can't pay it, you're going to be, everything you have is going to be sold. Your, your wife, your children, everything is going to be sold. And he says, have patience with me and I will pay it. So what did he receive that day from the king? He received forgiveness, compassion, and he was loosed of the debt. He went in with a great debt. He left with no debt at all. His debt was canceled, completely wiped out by love, forgiveness, and compassion. He was a free man. But the same man went out. And what happened? He forgot the mercy. He forgot how great a debt he had been forgiven. He forgot how much compassion the king had on him. He forgot God. He forgot that the king had been merciful to him. And he went out and found his brother who owed him just 100 pence. And he said, pay me what you have. And the man says, please have patience with me. Please be merciful to me. But he would not. He wanted law and justice for his brother, but he wanted grace and mercy for himself. You see, under the old covenant, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If, if someone took out my eye, then someone else took out your eye. Justice was done. But the problem was there was no reconciliation. And also, a lot of people had no eyes. But under the new covenant, under grace and mercy came through Jesus Christ. So we cannot walk in the old and the new at the same time. We cannot want, oh, grace and mercy for me, Lord Jesus, forgive me. But then for my brother and sister, I want law and judgment and justice. Either we walk in love and grace and mercy, or we walk in the old covenant. This is what this man was doing. He wanted mercy for himself, but he wanted judgment and justice for his brother and sister or for his brother who owed him 100 pence. He forgot how much forgiveness he had received. Freely, what does the Bible say? Freely, we have received forgiveness. Freely, give. Freely, we have received the grace of God. Freely, give. Freely, we have received mercy. Freely, give it.
to others. The king called him up and he said, verse 33, you shouldest, shouldest not you had compassion on your fellow servant as I had pity on you. That's what the king said. And scripture talks lots about forgiving one another. You imagine the anointing that would be on the body of Christ if we all lived in a place of forgiveness of one another, if we forgave other denominations, if we forgave each other, the anointing and the presence of God that would be on the body of Christ. Jesus said it's going to happen that you may be one even as you, Father, and I are one. His prayers get answered. It's going to happen. But we need to make the adjustments. Holy Spirit, work in my heart and life to make the adjustments. Now, this is where I'm coming. In John chapter 13, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say in the Gospel of John chapter 13? And verse 34 and 35. What did he say? A new commandment that I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. And that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Why? Because you've a brilliant praise and worship team. <laughs> How shall men know that you're his disciples? Because you go to church every Sunday. How shall men know that you're his disciples? If ye have love one to another. You see, our greatest evangelism tool is our unity. Let's go back to our main scripture in John 17. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. In John 17, verse 21, look what Jesus said, his own words. Verse John 17, verse 21, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Your greatest evangelism tool is unity. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. How's the world going to believe? Jesus prayed it, that they all may be one, as thy Father art in me, and I in you, and that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. For the sake of the lost souls in Bangor, we need to lay down our, what we want, we need to lay aside our, what I want, but that we would be one together in unity and harmony 
in love, in the bond of peace, so that the world would know. Look what it says in verse 23. He says it again. I, John 17, 23. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. The world is waiting. Bangor is waiting for us to make the adjustments to submit to one another and forgive one another so the world would know that thou hast sent me, that they may be made perfect in one. Another scripture to just back that up, and you know it well, this scripture, it's well known. In Psalm 133, what did the psalmist David say? How pleasant how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious ointment on the head that ran down the beard of iron and went down to his garments. Verse number three. As the Jew of Hermon and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there, right there, where there is unity. Right there, where there is unity, the Lord commanded the blessing. They didn't have to pray for the blessing. They didn't even have to believe God for it. They didn't even have to pray and intercede or fast for it. There, for there the Lord command it, not just a blessing, but the blessing, life forevermore. That sounds like revival to me. <laughs> that sounds like miracles to me. That sounds like an outpouring of God's Spirit like Bangor has never seen to me. For there, for where, there, where there is unity, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. How would you like God to command a blessing in your marriage? How would you like God to command a blessing in your family? How would you like God com to command the blessing in your church, in your community? Life forevermore. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. I'd like to read one of, I'm sure you've heard of this man, He's the name of John G. Lake. He lived by, I think it's nine principles. He had nine principles that he wrote out. You can Google it, not now, but when you get home. <laughs> he had nine principles he lived by. And this is principle number eight that John G. Lake, and remember those who maybe don't know John G. Lake, he operated in a tremendous healing ministry. So much so the, the presence of God and the anointing was so strong in his life that I, I, I remember this, or the story went that he asked them to put 
the disease in his hand and put it under a microscope. And when they put it under a microscope, they noticed that the life that was in John G. Lake's hand overcame the disease that was, you can read it. But here's one of the, one of, this is principle number eight that John G. Lake lived by. He says, I will always strive to be a peacemaker. First, by being peaceful myself and avoiding all unfruitful contentions. I shall treat all with justice and regard their rights and their free agency, never trying to force any to my point of view. If I offend anyone knowingly, I shall immediately apologize. I will not scatter evil reports about any person and so try to defame their character or repeat anything I am not certain of being true. I will strive to remove the curse of strife from among the brethren by acting as a peacemaker. What does Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6 say? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. It says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, we beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Christ is in you, hope of glory. He's in each one of us. The hope of the lost souls in Bangor is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. But we need to make the adjustments. We need to say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. He prayed it. Jesus prayed it that they may be one as we are one, so the world would know that this Jesus we talk about is who he really is, that they would see Christ in us, hope of glory. They would know him. They would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this morning for your word to us. Father, we realize that we need to make adjustments by the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you for grace and mercy and help in this hour of need. We ask you, Father, that you would come by your Holy Spirit work in each of our hearts and lives, 
that you would help us make the adjustments, that we would surrender our wills, our ways, and that your will and your ways would be done and accomplished in our lives, in this body of believers, so that the world would know that you have sent us, that you have been sent, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would be one, even as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, and that we would honor and prefer one another, that we would love and forgive one another, that we would be merciful and kind to one another, as you have been to us, Father. Freely we have received an abundance of love and grace and mercy. Freely may we give it to one another. Oh, we thank you, Father. We realize the world is watching and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God to manifest the love of the Father, the love of Jesus, and the love of the Holy Ghost, that they would see, yes, this Jesus that they talk about is real. So, Father, we commit our lives to you. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender afresh everything to you. We lay our lives on the altar for you. We ask you to help us make the adjustments we need to make. Not my will, but thine be done, Lord Jesus. So we thank you. We give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you that you desire to pour out the blessing even life forevermore. Thank you for the stillness of your presence. Thank you that you will continue to speak to people's hearts and lives. When my voice is stopped speaking, Holy Spirit, you will continue to speak. And that we would be a people of honor, not only honoring you, Father, but honoring one another who you dwell in, that we would honor the temple of the Holy Spirit, each other. We would honor you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.